following resource is from Welford Baptist Church. All right, thank you, Mike. Well, good morning to you. It's good to be here today, my wife and I, Jane, and I'm Howard Foster. And I was your interim around 15, 18 years ago. So that's been a little while, hasn't it? And we've seen some familiar faces today and renewed uh, friendships and all and relationships. And uh, I appreciate all the kind words you said to me and the kinder words you said about my wife. One lady said, I love you, but I really love your wife. Uh, And I said, I do too. But she's been with me for almost 42 years now. And uh, I was in ministry full-time for about 42 years as well and retired two years ago. And when I retired, I called Mike one morning and said, Mike, if you know of any church that needs an interim, you let me know. And he did. And here I am. So... We're going to begin, and God knows how long this interim will be. It may be short, it may be a little longer, but we want God's time and not our time, right? We want God's man and not our man. And uh, by prayer and seeking God, he'll bring just the right one at just the right time. Now, this morning, don't want to start off on a downbeat, but I think it's just a sign of our times right now. Do any of you ever believe like I do sometimes This world is going absolutely nuts, you know? It's crazy out there, is it not? Is your life a little crazy too? I think three of you have a crazy life. Anybody else? Okay. Probably most of us do right now. Let's name a few things, not just in our lives, but just for all of us right now. There's terrorism, right? And that's probably been... uh, hyped up a little bit with Afghanistan now. There's the COVID, of course, the variant of COVID, mask, shots, no shots, mask, no mask, all those kind of things, all that's involved with COVID right now. America's divided over that. There's the opiate crisis. There's, uh, as I said, Afghanistan, Haiti, hurricanes, floods, fires out in the West and Midwest, Climate change, something's happening, whatever, you, whatever it is, you know. Inflation, all the political issues that's going on, plus our own issues, whether it's work or family or health or whatever it may be, you know, there's something that we're dealing with right now. And there are times we think, man, if I could just keep my head above water, what do we need to cope with all that? What do we need that could see us through. I think there's one word. It's called hope. It's called hope. Now, I've read this little story about one way to define hope, okay? Service dogs. We all know what they are, don't we? They help people with certain disabilities to do routine daily tasks. But they also provide something else too. These dogs and humans, it seems like they they bond together on a higher level than just us and our pets, right? These dogs often give hope as well. At a camp where some disabled children were brought and service dogs were matched together, there was a child who had a disability, born with it. And he told his mother there at the camp, I don't want to live anymore, Mom. 
It's just too hard. I don't want to live anymore. And then sometime during the camp, not long after the little boy told his mother that, someone saw the mother crying. They thought, this person thought the camp failed in bringing this boy and this service dog together here. But it turned out it was just the opposite. For after the boy had some experience with the dog, a few days with the dog, she asked her her little son, said, uh, if he still wanted to leave and go to heaven. And he said, no, mom, I can't leave my dog. Now, while we know there's going to be great glory in heaven, our hearts still go out to those who have no hope or no joy here on earth. Now, what brought the little boy hope, you think? Hmm? Was it that sense of responsibility? Maybe a purpose now that he had in life? Was it that unconditional do- uh, uh, love of the dog? I guess we'd just have to ask the child, wouldn't we? Either way, I think it was hope that was in that little boy's heart that made his life worth living. Hope is the expectations that things in life are going to get better. We all need hope in order to go on. Now, whether we're coping with the disease or we're sinking in death, we're struggling, struggling with a relationship that's gone sour, we all need hope to get through today. We need hope to get through tomorrow. And without hope, there's really no point in trying, is there? We've got to have a little ray of hope in, in our lives here. Without hope, we simply give up. That was a great gift that the little boy had, but you know what? The Bible speaks of hope as well. And Hebrews chapter 4 is talking about a hope of God's word. And we'll talk a little more about God's word in just a moment. But the hope that we have in God, the hope that we have in his word. The Bible says we have this hope as an anchor for our soul. We have this hope that it just anchors us in the spirit of God. And it goes on to say it's firm and secure and steadfast. It's not going to be moved. It's not going to be moved. It's a wonderful gift with God. Although it's seldom simple and it's seldom easy. Hope is never a destination. Like I know my hope's coming day after tomorrow. Hope is always a journey. And that's the way it was in the days of Christ, particularly when it was time for him to enter into the world. Now, I've got an unusual sermon for you here today, okay? But this story is not just for Christmas. Matter of fact, Christmas is 105 days from today. Are y'all ready? (laughs) Okay. But I want you to listen because I, I thought and I prayed and I looked through various places in the Bible about where the people just really had no hope. And there are several places there, you know, like when Israel was taken into captivity and all. But it just seemed like right before Jesus was born, the people of Israel, man, there was no hope anywhere, you know. For 2,000 years, the Israelites had faced trouble after trouble after trouble after trouble. They were 400 years they spent as slaves in Egypt. Then they were brought out, and then they were 40 years of wandering in the desert. After that, there were years of civil war. There were foreign invasions. There was famine. There was poverty. There was times that God judged the nation because of of their sin. Life was not 
easy then. And many times it's not easy today, even though we live in America. Every day and every place they went was dangerous. Cities were filled with disease. Disease was everywhere. Crime, the constant fear of terror, of invasion. Hard work didn't seem to make much of a difference. They they were barely able to get by if they got by at all. Mothers and babies died in childbirth. Men were dying in war. Most people had hard lives by comparison to, to where you and I live now. I read about that and it makes me wonder how in the world they make it from day to day to day. And I realized their answer was hope. Hope is the only way anyone can make it through the troubles of life. Hope says, hang on, tomorrow's going to be better for you. Hope tells us to hang on. Hope promises a better future for us. And when we stop to think about it, I said it wasn't going to be easy always, right? When, when you have hope, when you need hope. You got to have trouble in order to have hope. Would you agree with that? Without troubles, there's nothing to hope for because life is good. If you're healthy, you don't need hope for healing. If you're wealthy, you don't need hope for for more money. If you're content, you don't need hope for happier days, do you? Hope is always about tomorrow. Hope always sees beyond the troubles that we're experiencing right now. Hope always looks forward to something better. Now, when your troubles are small, you hope for a circumstance. But... When your troubles are large, when they're more than you can handle, man, you hope for God. You been there? Hmm? You ever had that experience? Some troubles are so big and so huge that only God can make your life better. And that's the way it was for the people of Israel 2,000 years ago. So they hoped that God would send someone special to chase all their troubles away. And year after year, they kept hoping for that someone until it became an obsession. They constantly looked for signs that God's special person was coming to earth. And you know, I hear that now from people, from Christians, because of all that's going on, saying, you know, Pastor, I think Jesus is going to come back any day. Well, I agree with John at the end of the book of the Revelation. Well, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen. But he may leave us in this for a while. Who knows? They were looking for someone chosen, someone who was anointed, a Messiah, which means the anointed one. The Christ. He would fix everything. He would forgive their sins. He would solve their problems. He would chase their troubles away. He would set up a government once again, uh, uh, the kingdom of David. He was their one great hope and not just their hope, but he would be the hope of the world as well. And if God didn't send someone soon, they thought, man, life's going to crumble. And we know how they felt because sometimes our lives feel that way too. Anyone there today? Not that our troubles are the same as the Israelites 2,000 years ago, but man, we do have some problems, don't we? 
Every day seems to have some new issue that we have to face. None of us have to think very long to come up with our own list of worries. Listen to the news today or read the newspaper, whatever. Only a fool thinks that a few adjustments uh, to circumstances will make everything better. I don't know about you, but I believe too, just like the Israelites, we need divine intervention. We need hope. We need God's hope. And friends, this is what I want to share with you this morning. It's not just a Christmas story, okay? So get Christmas. If you can, just set it over there. It's about an angel that was sent by God to a little town in Galilee called Nazareth. The Bible says in Luke 1, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph. He was a descendant of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel Gabriel said to her, greetings, hello Mary, you're the favored one. God is with you. But Mary was greatly troubled by his words and began to wonder about the meaning of his greeting. 400 years had passed since the end of the Old Testament. They didn't know that, but God hadn't raised a prophet, hadn't raised anyone special in 400 years at that time. 600 years had gone by since the last recorded mission of the angel Gabriel to earth. God now was sending hope, and Mary was greatly troubled. And that's what sometimes happens, I think, when God finally sends word, when we begin to, to, to sense God speaking to us, when we begin to sense God going to move in our lives here, we get a little troubled about it sometimes. We're troubled all the more because like Mary, we wondered what's going on. What is God going to do? So there's the promise, secondly, there's the promise that, that the angel brought to her. And these are the words of promise that Gabriel spoke to her. So the angel said to Mary, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Listen, you will become pregnant and you'll give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus and he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Israel forever. His kingdom would never end. Man, it, that's a spectacular promise, is it not? Boy, God was sending his own son to the rescue. He was coming from heaven to earth. He would be a he, real human being just like me and you. He would understand our troubles and we would understand him. He would come to establish his kingdom and be the ruler of our lives. At last, a king that was coming that would be just and fair instead of these Romans. I don't think there's any way at all Mary could have understood all that. I doubt that she was even literate, much less educated and sophisticated. She couldn't explain the incarnation, the birth of Christ, of the invisible God at all. She had no idea how all this would play out in her personal life and what it meant to her engagement, her marriage, what it would do to her family. She had no clue whatsoever. But what she could sense was the hope, the hope that was in the angel's voice, the hope that was in his words, the hope that was in his message that he brought to her. There was a promise of a better future that was coming for her and for Israel from no other than God himself. I've noticed on TV in the last week or two, they're 
a lot of stations run older movies, and they had one on called Castaway with Tom Hanks. Anybody ever seen Castaway? All right, five of us now, okay. <laughs> Let me explain Castaway to you, okay. Tom Hanks portrays a character in the movie, and he worked for FedEx, and he was on a flight to somewhere, okay. And the plane developed problems. The plane was over the, the ocean, I guess the Pacific, and suddenly, you know, the pilot couldn't correct it and crashed into the sea. Tom Hanks was the only survivor. He made it out of the plane. He swam to a small island that was close by. And then some other things from the plane washed up, okay? He was stranded on that little island for four years hoping to be rescued. And all he had besides the few natural resources that was on the island well, some things that washed up from the plane, such as videotapes. That was going to do him a lot of good, wasn't it? A pair of ice skates, an evening gown, and then a volleyball that he called Wilson. Okay? And then there was a package that washed up that he never opened the entire time that he was there. A cardboard box, and it had a pair of little angel wings on it, Okay? He, he doesn't open it to find out what's inside. And eventually, Tom Hanks' his character is called Nolan. Nolan makes a raft and he sails from the island and is rescued by a ship after four years of being a castaway. At the end of the movie, he's back in America and he hand delivers the unopened box to its destination. It was printed on, on the box. It's, the address was to a Texas farmhouse, and so he went out to Texas, found the house, went up on the porch, knocked on the door, and no one answered. Knocked again and again and again, and no one ever came to the door. No one was at home. So he leaves the box against the door, and he writes a note, and he leaves a note on the box. And it said this, Thanks, this package saved my life. And somehow in that unopened box with angel wings, Chuck Nolan found hope in a desperate place. And when Gabriel spoke to Mary, that's what she heard. She couldn't fully understand all that was inside of the words, but she found hope that got her through the troubles of her life. Words do give hope, do they not? especially words from God, not that we can fully understand them always. It's just the assurance that God has promised, what God has promised gives hope for a better tomorrow. When troubles come into my life, I often turn to the Bible. I tell many people where they, they say, I'm having some difficulties in life. I said, well, Billy Graham reads five Psalms a day. You read five Psalms today. You'll find a little hope there. When I read my Bible, I'm taught and I'm blessed by what God says. But I'll tell you that I find hope simply in the realization that God speaks to me through his word. And even when I don't fully understand everything that he's saying there in this book, I get hope from the words of his promise. God said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. God says that I can make all things work together for good. 
Well, what we did, what Mary did next is so like us. There was the spirit, okay? Verse 34, how's this going to happen, Mary said? How's this going to be? And that's what we all want to know, is it not? Okay, God, how are you going to do this? The world's a mess, so God, how are you going to fix that? My job application is one in a thousand. God, how are you going to get me hired? I'm in big trouble, God. I may lose my job. I may lose my family. I may lose this, that, or the other. God, how are you going to use this for good? And when Mary asked how God was going to do what he promised, here's what the angel told her. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called the Son of God. Well, I have to say, for Mary, I don't think that was totally helpful information, you know. All Mary knew was, I'd never been with man. And God told her, but you're going to give birth to a baby, and this baby will be the Son of God. And the Holy Spirit is going to work out all the details in this, Mary. You don't have to worry about it. And if I was Mary, I'd say, okay, could I see the business plan, please? I'd like to know all the details here. I'd like to read the footnotes. I'd like to read the fine print in the contracts before I signed them. And if this plan A doesn't work, what's plan B? But God doesn't want our hope centered in his plan. You know what God wants our hope centered in? God. God. Let me tell you how I think all this works. God promises help and hope when we're in a dire strait. And then we trust God to fulfill his promises. Hebrews tells us without faith, it's impossible to please God. Then the Holy Spirit will process that plan according to God's will. And maybe it's little by little that we begin to see the pieces start coming together here. What does that look like? Well, here's just a few instances, okay, out of many. The Spirit will stop a tragedy. The Spirit will begin a relationship. The Spirit will defeat an enemy. The Spirit provides a resource. Sometimes the Spirit will allow a disappointment that will eventually work for good. The Spirit finally brings all the parts and the pieces together for great good and fulfillment and God's promises. And admittedly, if I could be real honest with you, because I've been there along the way, sometimes it doesn't make much sense. And that's when I believe we need to trust God even more. And it's in that trust and it's in that faith that we find our hope. Think about, I don't know if any of you have been here to see it actually happen now. Not many circuses come to town. But you ever been to the circus or see one on TV, the trapeze artist? They fly and they leap out and they catch one another here. This is what I've learned about it here, okay? The flyer is on his trapeze. He's going back and forth. And he's got to get from here, point A, over there to point B with the other trapeze artist. 
That artist is hanging by his knees from the bar. You're hanging on for dear life on the bar itself with your hands. It's frightening danger right then. And the one who has to let go does nothing more to get himself caught than to hold his position as still as possible. It's going back and forth, back and forth. Now, the flyer must never try to catch the catcher. The flyer just trusts that the catcher is going to catch him. And when we're in a situation and we're trying to find that hope and putting our faith and trust in God, that's what it's like with us and God. We let go of the comfortable. We let go and we fly through danger filled with trust and hope. It's not our job to catch the Holy Spirit of God. It's our job to believe that God's Spirit's going to catch us. And then here's the last little portion of it. The waiting. Maybe that's the hard part. It's the hanging in midair that can get a little scary. And that's what Mary had to do long before that first Christmas. Because the angel told Mary, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, you'll give birth to a son and he will be the Son of God. For nothing, he ended, will be impossible with God. How's God going to do that, she asked. Just hang on. Nothing's impossible with God. That was a long way of telling Mary that all this was going to take a while. Her cousin Elizabeth was going to have a baby, which would be John the Baptist. Then Mary would become pregnant by some mysterious method. Then there would be nine months of pregnancy. Then the hope of the world would be born. But of course, you're going to have to wait about 30 or 33 more years before that hope to become reality. And when you're troubled and when the world is in a mess, when God is intervening, doesn't a year seem like a long time to you? Doesn't 30-something years seem like forever? It can be hard to, to keep hope high when there's a long time waiting. Most of our hope comes with a shorter shelf life. We want our problems solved right away. We're not a patient people. But remember, our hope is not in circumstances. It's not in calendars. Our hope, as the song says, is in nothing less than Jesus Christ. Part of our trust and part of hope is that he sets the schedule. His time is always the right time. And amazingly, we may actually benefit from the wait. And even as you wait for God to bring your next pastor, the wait will be worthwhile because God will not waste a moment. You ever had something that was tough to go through and you prayed and you prayed and you prayed and it seemed like forever before God ever answered or brought you through? But yet down the road after it was all over and you began, you got at a point where you could look back and see it, you're grateful that it wasn't answered any earlier. And that's what Mary did. That's what Christians do. We never lose faith in the end of the story. And the end of the story is that Jesus Christ sent by God to suffer and to die for our sins and to give us eternal life. He will do what he has promised. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and his kingdom will never end. 
How many of you are glad that football season started? Man, I got a bunch of hands in. Look at everybody. Amen. Count me in too. There's a fellow one time talked about football when he was a kid in his neighborhood. Neighborhood had all kind of kids, a lot of little boys. He said, the minute we got home from school, everybody would put their books down and run outside to start up a game. The kid across the street from him, he had a dad. And his dad had a great arm. And his dad had a strong addiction to football. And so as soon as the dad got home from work and he pulled in the driveway, we'd start yelling, hey, Mr. So-and-so, come on over, play ball with us. Come on, we got a game going. We need you. Come on, come on, come on. And he couldn't resist. And out of fairness, when he came over, out of fairness, he would always ask, okay, boys, which team is losing? And then he would join that team. His appearance in the team huddle, in the huddle of the losing team, changed the whole ball game. He was confident. He was strong. But most of all, he had a plan. The boys would circle around him in the huddle and he would look at us and say, Okay, boys, this is what we're going to do. You over there, you over there, you, if you go long, you go short, so forth and so on. The other team, they were beginning to groan even before the, this team left the huddle. Because you see, they not only had a new plan, but they had a new leader. And he brought life to the losing team. And you know what? In a similar way, God does the same thing. He really does. We don't need a new play. We need a new plan. We don't need to trade positions. We need a new player. And that player is Jesus Christ, God's son. And as Paul said in Ephesians 2, 5, listen to this. Though we were spiritually dead, we had no hope. Because of the things we did against God, our sin. But by our faith in him, this is what God did. He's given us new life in Christ. If you've experienced that, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad for the new life? If anyone be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. A new person. So whatever your troubles you keep that flame of hope burning. Hope, not in circumstances, not in calendars, but hope, hope in the person of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you now for this day. I want to thank you, Lord, for a story that we know so well, maybe too well, because there's some things that we may miss in that. And one of the great themes, God, you've given in that story is the hope that we have in you, your hope. And you give us hope. And it's strong and secure like an anchor. It will not be moved. And, Lord, there's so many of us now that just need a little dose of hope in our personal lives, in the life of our nation, the life of this world. But, God, Lord Jesus, you're the hope of the world.
And we place our hope in you. We place our faith and trust in you. We become new. I pray, Father, for anyone here today. They're just about on their last little shred of hope in their lives. Father, I pray that this sermon spoke to them. They'll turn to you, Lord, for the hope. If anyone doesn't have that new life, I pray, Father, they'll turn to you in faith that Jesus is your son, that he indeed took the punishment for our sins. He died, but he rose again to new life, and he shares that new life with us. So bless this time as we close, and God, may you be glorified above all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information about our church, visit welfarechurch.org. Blessings.